Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to mini episode 121 of Real Life Ghost Stories and I have five spooky stories for you today and the last story comes from May the 12th 2021 and story number one comes from Xavier. I have a few paranormal experiences but I thought I would submit this one because it's more of a religious experience than a typical ghost story and it might seem a bit different than what you usually read. I'm a cometic pagan or Egyptian pagan as it is more commonly known. I mostly worship Anubis. While he is the god of death rites, rituals and best known for the heart weighed against the feather myth, he is also a loving protector and teacher. In 2016 I was going around driving my grandma's old Pontiac Sunfire from 2001 that I got when she passed away. The car was old but damn I loved that car. While I was not Catholic, I always kept my grandmother's pocket Bible and little angel charm in the car as a memory of her, and I couldn't bear to get rid of it. Around the same time, I had made some prayer beads for Anubis using some black gemstones and an Ankh pendant or Egyptian cross on a copper wire. I used to meditate with these often. I still do, but frankly, I'm just really bad at remembering to meditate. One time in 2016 when I was meditating with these beads before work, they, for lack of a better term, exploded. The beads went flying everywhere and the wire hit my face, though it was just jewellery wire, so it wasn't dangerous and it didn't hurt. I honestly thought nothing of it at the time, and back then I was still sort of new to the occult and didn't know an item of power like this is an omen of sorts. I chalked it up to bad craftsmanship when making them and fixed the pendant. Later that day, after work, I got hit in a really bad car accident. A giant ram truck running a red light hit my passenger side. I was going straight, and he was going straight, but on the other side. I'm so lucky that he hit my passenger side because he totaled my car on that side completely. It is a miracle I was fine, just a nervous wreck, and a sore neck the next day. The guy who hit me may have been going 55 miles an hour. He was Canadian, and I live so close to the border that you see Canadian drivers here all the time. He told me he didn't notice the red light had turned red, because he was not paying attention because he was unfamiliar with the area and trying to look for a certain street name. A week later I had forgotten all about the beads and I was thinking about it again. I thought it was odd that it happened as well as my mom telling me she had a dream that I was in a car crash a few days before. I took out my pendulum and asked Anubis if the beads exploding was an omen of my car crash and it swung to yes. They say misfortune like this happens in threes and that happened to me as well. A few days later my dad got in a very minor fender bender and then at my work which was a gas station at the time a customer drove straight into a tree. 
They were fine, but we think they were high or drunk and acted very suspicious and were pissed off that my co-worker called the police and we saw them hiding stuff from their car in the woods. As a side note, what is even a stranger coincidence is that my new car that I got was a 2013 Ford Focus and I actually did not want it at first because of the year, as 2013 was the year my grandmother passed away and that entire year was just horrible bad luck for me. But I'm still driving it around five years later, so that has to be something. Stories like this are really interesting to me because I know so little about different types of paganism. So I'm always fascinated to hear about the different types of paganism and even just to get little snippets of how these types of paganism are actually practiced in everyday life. And even though I'm obviously a well-known scientist in my field, (laughs) I can't even say that without laughing, but I don't know how or why the beads would have exploded and like to a degree where the wire hit you in the face. I know there's going to be actual scientists listening to this going, okay, there's a really obvious explanation for that, Emma. But to me, there isn't. And I think that combined with the fact that your mum had a dream about you being in a car accident a couple of days before, I don't know, shows that maybe it was an omen. Maybe it was the universe, the world, whatever it was, trying to tell you that something was going to happen. Although I kind of wish... If the universe wants to tell you that something's going to happen, just just say it, just just sit you down and say you're going to be in a car crash in a couple of days rather than exploding beads and sending people dreams. And story number two comes from Sarah. When I was younger, I lived in Traverse City, Michigan. My mom was a single mother with three children. I was the eldest with a younger brother and sister. We didn't have a lot of money and my mother worked three jobs at any given time which meant we never lived anywhere very nice and we were very often home alone. When I was about 11 or 12, my mom got very lucky and got an opportunity to rent a big, beautiful farmhouse on about 10 acres of land. I don't know all the details on how she was able to afford it and she's never really talked about it or about our time in the house. The house was around 200 years old. It was two stories with a basement that had one of those doors that you pull up from the floor. In the basement, there were cell doors that locked from the outside. There was a front door with a small porch off the ground that had no stairs. The porch was completely enclosed with no way to get on it from the outside, so we used the back door to get in. It sat on the front of the property with 10 acres of field and woods behind it, and had an old barn and standalone garage. There was even an old outhouse on the property, The house felt old and eerie. From the first day we got there, we all felt like it was haunted. But being in our financial situation, my mom knew we would never get another opportunity to have a house like this. Stuff was constantly happening. But I'm going to tell you about the weirdest and the scariest things. The house had three bedrooms. And as I was becoming a preteen, I did not want to share a room with my sister, who was only around three or four. So my mom and I agreed that I could convert the basement into my chill zone. I was big into hippie culture and we started painting the basement with big flowers and smiley faces. I was down there one day painting when I started to hear a creaking noise. I tried to ignore it but it got louder and faster like an old screen door blowing in a storm. Then a loud slam. I jumped and ran to leave the basement and the door was shut. There was no way to open the door from the inside and I was the only one home. I sat in panic mode, 
crying on the highest step that I could. It was silent for a moment before the creaking started again. But it wasn't the basement door. It was the cell door. It was slowly opening. I watched it open wider and wider before shutting my eyes and holding my hands over my ears. I stayed like this for what felt like hours until my mom got home and let me out. Needless to say, I did end up sharing a room with my sister. Another thing that happened often was on nights when my mom worked the night shift. I would sleep on the couch to wait for her. The couch in the living room faced the front door with the floating porch. I would start to fall asleep, and as my body would start to give in, something would yell in my ear, Wake up! Or my name. I'd jump awake and sometimes see a man standing on the porch. This porch was about five feet off the ground with no way to get on it from the outside. I would watch him unable to shut my eyes. I would wake up in the morning not remembering falling asleep and feeling like I hadn't slept at all. This next story has to do with the stairs in my home. The first time we noticed anything strange we were all sitting at the kitchen table. From the kitchen table you could see the full length up the stairs. At the top was my mom's room on the left and my sister's and mine on the right. We were eating breakfast when all of a sudden we heard what sounded like a group of people running down the stairs. We all jumped and looked at the stairs. Nothing was there. This happened pretty much daily from that day on. Sometimes the running, sometimes it sounded like someone jumping down one step at a time. A few months after we'd been living there, my mom found a braid of blonde hair nailed to the wall in the stairwell. We couldn't figure out how we had never noticed it in the months of living there. I have so many stories from this house, but there is just one more that I want to tell you today. As I've said, the house was on a lot of land and my sister's and my bedroom window faced the huge field in the back which I hated. Our room was split in two through the middle by a curtain in my mom's attempt to give me some privacy. The window was on my side. My sister would sleep on my side of the curtain often because she was very scared at night. We all were, really. We would avoid looking out the window as much as possible. One night when my sister was in my bed, we heard what sounded like humming. An electrical humming. My mother was not coming home from work yet, and it was probably around 9pm. The humming started changing frequency. It sounded fake, like something from an old scary movie or something. Not a sound you'd hear in real life. I thought for some reason maybe my mom was home and doing something outside, so I got up and looked out the window. No one was in the driveway, but something made me look out into the field. I could see something. Movement. The humming continued as I tried to focus on what was moving. It was men or what looked like men walking through the field towards the house. I ran to my sister in bed and screamed for my brother who was downstairs in his room. He came up the stairs and my sister and I were hiding under the blanket. I told him to look out the window. He looked and yelled. I asked him what he saw, but it wasn't what I saw. It was worse. He said, There's a man looking in the window. I ripped the blanket off me and looked at the window and there was an old man's face pressed up against the window smiling. This was the second floor of the house. We all screamed and cried and then I remember waking up. 
I don't remember falling asleep. Immediately in the morning, we all talked about it. We all remembered the same thing. There's no way we dreamed it. I had a lot of nightmares growing up. I've written to you about them before. But this was different. Living in this house was a literal nightmare. I'm not going to lie, it sounds like a literal nightmare to be honest. That sounds horrendous. Because it starts pretty standard haunted house stuff. Now I know I say that very flippantly and it's not flippant for the people who are experiencing it. If you are experiencing doors closing, doors slamming, being locked in rooms, people jumping and running up and down the stairs, of course that is not easy for you. And I thought initially when reading this story that it was a case of exploding head syndrome when you were waiting for your mom to come home from work and then a case of some sort of sleep paralysis where you would see this man on the porch and then suddenly wake up. But sleep paralysis wouldn't explain why all three siblings saw the same thing and then suddenly fell asleep without realising they'd fallen asleep and woke up the next morning. Seeing the men slowly making their way through the field towards your house is my idea of, of, of literal hell. Like that is so frightening. And then to see the face of the window. No. Smiling. Pressed against the window. And ordinarily I would say, well, wouldn't it be worse if it was a real person? You know, maybe it was a real person. But unless it was a real person on stilts, I don't know how they were on the second floor. Oh, that is alarming. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And story number three comes from Miley. My stepdad died suddenly of a heart attack almost 12 years ago. We were very close and he was an amazing father. He was the person who picked me up when my car broke down and then helped me to fix it and brought me Ben and Jerry's after a breakup. He got me my first job, took me on my first airplane ride, helped me move out of the house for the first time and taught me how to stand up for myself. Losing him completely crushed me. When he died, I felt like a part of me had died with him. And that's when I started having what I initially believed were night terrors. In my sleep, my stepdad was alive again. The first time I dreamed about him, he told me that he did die, but said that he was okay now, so he was coming back. And apparently, I didn't need to know why or how. I was happy enough to have him back that I didn't question it. At first, I often woke up from these dreams in tears because I was desperate to go back to the dream so I could see him again. Over time, the desperation subsided and I grew to just be happy about the time I would have with him in my dreams. Instead of waking up in tears, I woke up feeling warm and glowy after these dreams. 
Over the past 12 years, I've continued to have dreams about him here and there, and they all built off the previous, as if my dream life had continued on with my stepdad in it. I seemed to have dreams of him more frequently around big events, like when I got engaged, married, when I got pregnant with my son, and after he was born. The newborn months were rough. I had to have a C-section, my son had some issues due to being breech, and nobody could visit or stay with us to help because the COVID vaccine wasn't available yet. It was a very hard three months. My stepdad visited me a couple of times through that period as well. Earlier this year though, I had a dream about him that was different. He told me he had to move on now and said he couldn't visit me anymore. When I woke up, I had that same heavy sad feeling I had when the dreams first started, but I also felt okay at the same time. It was as if my stepdad stayed to make sure I was okay to see so much of my life that he otherwise would have missed. I haven't had another dream about him since. I know our brains are very powerful and can do amazing things to help us cope with painful loss and even our own inevitable deaths, but I also know that these visits meant the world to me and I don't think it would ever stop if my brain was the only thing manifesting them. I'm not going to say much about this story, not because of the quality of the story, because Miley it was a great story, but because I've said these things a bazillion times before and I'll only end up repeating myself. But what I am going to say is short and sweet. And that is that there's plenty of cultures in the world that believe in visitation dreams and maybe your stepfather just wasn't ready to let go either. Maybe he wanted to see you have all those milestones and wanted to be there for you in the only way that he could. And if it brings you comfort, that is all that matters. And story number four comes from Nandi. The only ghost I have ever seen was when my beloved Kelpie, Zach, passed away. Zach had doggy leukemia and was meant to be put to sleep to end his suffering, but my husband couldn't bear this to happen and thought he could cure Zach with love and medication. It didn't work and Zach's condition deteriorated rapidly until he passed away at the foot of our bed on Christmas morning. Later, I was sitting in my lounge chair feeling devastated when a movement in the kitchen doorway made me look up. It was my beautiful Zach, looking fit, healthy and young. He was looking straight at me. We had eye contact for a brief moment and I knew he was telling me he was okay and happy. And then he turned and faded away. I felt much better after I saw this. Another experience I have at times is when my handwriting changes style into my dad's. My dad died before his time as a result of a horrific accident. He was only 43. My dad was intelligent and lived life to the fullest. He was a mad reader, having three books going at a time, and he always wanted to write a book about his life. My dad and I were very close. I'm just like him when it comes to reading and wanting to write. Occasionally, when I'm writing, my handwriting turns into his handwriting. I think this is a sign that he is with me. I usually acknowledge him when this happens and say, Hi Dad, I hope you're happy and at peace. The actual story that I wanted to tell you is not about seeing ghosts, but about a bizarre occurrence that happened to me about 20 years ago when I was sharing a flat in Newcastle, New South Wales, Australia with four uni friends. Our flat was on the second floor of a two-storey building that was built in the 1920s. There was a butcher shop underneath our flat on the ground floor. Our flat was located on a main road, so it was always busy outside with people shopping and cars driving by all day and at night. 
Street lights and flashing neon shop lights shone in through my bedroom window. So the setting isn't exactly creepy. I'm not sure what the building was used for originally, but the butcher told us that their shop was originally horse stables. So I'm guessing that as the building was on a busy road, it may have been a traveller's rest stop or some such establishment. I lived there happily with my friends for about four years while studying and going on to get a job. None of us had ever experienced anything paranormal in the flat that I'm aware of or that we had discussed with each other. Although when my bedroom was in the small room at the end of the corridor, my window looked out onto the tin roof. And I swear I heard footsteps on the tin roof one night when going to sleep. My immediate thought was that it was just the tin cooling off after a hot day in the sun. You know, the pinging, cracking noise cooling tin makes. But the sound was too regular, like footsteps walking on the tin roof. As I listened, trying to convince myself that it was cooling tin, I became a tad scared and started to think it might have been someone planning on breaking in. I quietly slipped out of bed and went and got my bestie and flatmate and got her to listen to the footsteps. She said it was definitely footsteps, so we called the police. They walked all over the roof with their torches but saw nothing. We felt a little foolish, but they reassured us that it was better to be safe than sorry. Not long after that, I moved into my new bedroom when one of our flatmates moved out as it was a much bigger room. Time passed happily until my bestie, who was still at uni, made a new uni friend. I was working by now, and I was making new friends too, so it didn't bother me at first. But as time went by, this girl would spend all day and night on the house telephone. There was no mobile phones in those days. She also slept every night on our couch and she paid no rent or contributed towards the household bills. I wasn't happy about this but held my tongue in order to keep the peace in a house of now five flatmates. That was until one day my bestie asked me to vacate the flat so that her new friend could move in. I was shocked and upset at being asked to leave, especially by the girl who I thought was my best friend. I didn't want to stay in the flat any longer than I had to, as the situation had turned quite hostile. So I spent all week after work packing up and organising a removal list and storage as all of the furniture belonged to me. On my last night in the flat, I worked late, packing the last couple of boxes in my bedroom. When I'd finished packing, I showered and fell into bed exhausted. My head had hardly hit the pillow when I felt what I can only describe as my soul lifting out of my body from my feet first. It was as if my soul's feet were floating up into the air and the rest of my body was following. Like if it was my real body I would have been hanging upside down from the ceiling by my feet. Naturally it scared the crap out of me and as I gasped in fright my soul got sucked back into my body. I thought to myself, that was a bit weird but put it down to tiredness and stress so started to fall asleep again and would you believe it, it started to happen again. My soul or spirit or whatever it was or is started to lift out of my body again from my feet followed by the rest of my soul's body. Again I gasped in fright and my soul was sucked back into my flesh and blood body. I was starting to think, what the fuck? For a minute I wondered if I was dying but I was too tired to care if I was. After all, the feeling itself was quite pleasant and peaceful. It was like my soul couldn't wait for my flesh and blood body to fall asleep so it could get out of my body and go do whatever souls do when we sleep. Being open-minded to all things spiritual and wondering what kind of adventure I might be going on, I made the decision that when it happened again, not thinking for a second that it would happen again, 
that I wouldn't get scared and I would just go with it. And yes, as I started to fall asleep, it did happen again. This time, my soul's feet started to lift quite quickly out of my real feet and head for the ceiling, followed by the rest of my body. Eventually, high above my bed, my soul sunk into the wall. I would like to be able to tell you that my soul had a fabulous paranormal adventure, but once my soul sunk into the wall, I was out like a light. I don't remember what adventure my soul went on. Maybe I wasn't invited. I don't remember any dreams from that night, and I woke up as usual the next morning, thankfully very much alive. I wasn't on drugs, and I hadn't been drinking alcohol. I'd been snacking on sweets and drinking cola to try and keep me awake while packing the last of my things, so maybe it was a sugar high that caused this experience, but I don't think so. I have a theory born of this experience. You know those dreams that feel real? Well, my theory is that your soul does leave your body at night, and I believe those dreams are the experiences that your soul is having while your flesh and blood body rests. Whatever it was, it has never happened again, but I will never forget the feeling of my soul leaving my body. This story has really messed up my head and I just want to issue a public apology to my own soul because based on my dreams, you are not having a good time. And I'm sorry. I'm really sorry that you're floating out my body every night having to deal with all those the dream shit that happens in my dreams. It's not good. It's not good. Is that called astral planing or am I making that up? No, astral planing is definitely a thing. Lucid dreaming is not the same thing as lucid dreaming as being able to be conscious in your dreams. Whereas astral planing is your soul literally leaving your body, isn't it? I think it is. I don't know why I'm asking you like you're going to answer my question. But I wonder if it was a case that it was like a perfect storm. So you were really super tired but also full of sugar. You were under a lot of stress because of this horrible situation in your household. And maybe you were right. Maybe when you were falling asleep, your soul was like, fuck this, I'm off. I'm out. I've got to go have some adventures. And you just happened to experience it properly for the first time. Oh, it's really, it's really giving me a lot to think about. And story number five comes from Ashley. In around 2005, I was abroad on a student work visa. And my then boyfriend and I moved into a cute little flat above the local chemist in a small English village. I worked in the local pub directly across the road. The flat was dated with floral carpeting and thick layers of various coloured paint on the cupboards, but it still had a lot of the original turn-of-the-century charm. The old-fashioned style keys, a large clawfoot tub and an old brick fireplace were my favourite features. We were extremely happy there. But odd and scary things started to happen on the very first night. While I laid awake next to my sleeping boyfriend, I heard the unmistakable sound of a key turning in the door, the door opening and then closing, and worst of all, footsteps coming up the stairs into the apartment. I started frantically smacking Jay and whispering, Someone's in the flat! Someone is coming! Get up! Get up! Get up! He woke up, turned on the lights and grabbed something heavy to investigate. Nothing. No one. We continued to hear this on and off throughout our year living there. Other odd things would happen, such as the oven timer, which was a very old-fashioned manual dial, would go off in the middle of the day when I was home alone, and once our window flew open on its own. I started to have dreams that a small boy with dark hair and old-fashioned dress, a dress shirt, knee socks, suspenders and a cap, was silently following me around the apartment. 
I tried to tell him to go away, but he remained mute and seemed to want to stay close. Perhaps it planted ideas in my head, but I started to notice quick glimpses of a short person with dark hair out of the corner of my eye, usually just passing by the doorway. The creepiest incident was again while we were in bed. Out of nowhere, the door to the bedroom opened ever so slowly. I started to freak out a bit, as the thick shag carpeting on the floor made it difficult to open and close the door and required some effort. Jay attempted to explain it away with the wind from an open window, and I reluctantly accepted, saying, well, it better not close. And wouldn't you know it, it started closing so slowly, and all the while we could hear the bottom of the door dragging against the thick carpet. I had to put my head under the covers. We continued living there quite happily for about a year and got used to the quirks. As I became friends with some of the local patrons at the pub, I would open up about my experiences in the flat. Many people knew someone who had lived there at some point over the years and there was always a story to go with it. One guy around my age said that his nan had lived there in the 80s and would look after him there as a toddler. His nan would hear the pitter-patter of children's feet during nap time and come into the bedroom to scold him, only to find him napping peacefully. She also experienced the horror of having knives fly across the kitchen, though I never experienced anything truly harmful like that. It was both fascinating and validating to hear other tales of this old building. I'm certainly glad I never felt physically threatened except for that first night. I'm no longer living in the UK, but since this time I've continued to experience sightings and other types of spiritual contact throughout the years. What an eventful year! So you come to the UK to study for a year and you end up in a haunted flat. In a way, I'm kind of glad for you that you were working in the local pub because there's no better place to get stories about what's going on in your haunted house than in the local pub. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you to Xavier, Sarah, Miley, Nandy and Ashley for sending in your stories. Just a reminder that the last story was from May the 12th, 2021. And on that note, I shall see you next time. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.